Romans chapter 3, verse 3 and verse 4. It says, for what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Will it? No. And scripture goes on to say in verse 4, certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. And what we want to continue to talk about tonight, and, and we'll be on this for another few weeks, we want to, we're delving into the area of apologetics, apologetics. Now that's not apologies, okay, but it's apologetics. It's to have a defense and, and it really comes out of this next passage. I want to read you here in first Peter chapter three, verse 15 and 16, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense. And that's the Greek word there, apologia right there to give a defense for to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. And so we are to be ready to have a reason to give a reason because people are going to ask you, uh, things are going to align at times where people are going to want to know what is it about you? Why do you have this hope? Why do you believe what is it about your life? And scripture tells us, and this is emphatic here, it's a command. You're to be equipped. You're to be trained. You're to be, you're to be ready to do this. Always be ready. Everybody say, always be ready. Always be ready to be able to give a defense, apologetics, that you have some things thought out, put together to give a reason for the hope that is in you. Not just dogmatically say, well, God said it and I believe it and that settles it and you're going to hell. Because that will not go over well, nor does it please God. And so um, we've got to have some things settled and and, and equipped. And so we're looking at the approach to this. Um, Apologetics, when you're you're dealing with uh, people who don't believe, we've been talking about atheists. I'm going to continue to kind of take that tack a little bit tonight, who don't believe in God. you know, there's times that their approach will get philosophical and very, quote, rational. And it can even, as I told you last week, it can get weird. And, and it's hard to follow at times uh, because there's nothing constant. There's nothing stable. Well, what if, what if you don't exist? What if you're really not here and we're not really talking? You know, and, and, and it can get just real bizarre. And so at times that's hard to track. And then, and then, one of the goals of churches and Christians being trained in apologetics is this, is to be able to help thinkers to believe and help believers to think. And I'm concerned, you know, a, a thinker, and let's just call, let's call that an intellectual atheist, and not all intellectuals are atheists, okay? And not all atheists are intellectuals. Uh, a lot of them fancy themselves to be, but we, what we want to help them get to is the, is the moment where they're not just thinking, but they're believing. But at the same token, and this is a huge challenge and, and we're fighting a lot in the culture of religion here is to get people who believe to actually think and not just fall into group think and not just do and act and dress and do what, what everybody else does, but actually have a reason for why we believe. And I'm going to tell you what, you end up with a little bit of crisis in your life. 
you'll, you'll start to dig down, drill down into that and go, okay, why do I believe what I believe? Do I really believe that what I believe will get me through this? Do I really believe God is with me? God will help me and so forth. And so um, life has a way of refining us as well uh, concerning our, our beliefs. And, and challenges will do this. You'll end up either better or you'll end up bitter. And let's make sure we end up better. Amen. Briefly, I have shared with you that we must not view a person who does not believe like you believe, even uh, totally discounts what you believe. You must not ever view them. And let me just say it this way. Stop viewing them as an object or a target to debate with or to uh, try to convert or to hate or any of those things. Don't do that. Just don't do that. Because you move, the, you move the game off the table at that point. You know, we lose the vital parts that, that, that the whole thing is, is really based on when we, when we stop honoring people. Well, I don't want to honor them because they, they're not believing God. Well, listen, there's a lot of people and such were some of us. Okay. Until we came to, to a point of believing. We need to understand that everybody, and go ahead and say everybody. Everybody is made in the likeness and the image of God. And that gives them capacity. Say capacity. That gives them the capacity to have fellowship with God. And it also gives them the capacity uh, to never be beyond, here's a new word for you, the purview, the influence or the reach of responding to God's grace. I don't believe there's a person in their in their original makeup. And you say, well, what if a person is given over to a reprobate mind? Let's don't go into the, all the what ifs right now. Let's just go with me on this for right now. I think that there's no person on this planet that is beyond the reach of responding to God's divine grace. And God will make overtures to a person. God will, God will do things. And, and it all has to do, and this is another word. I don't want to get us off, off topic here, but it's the missio day. It's the mission of God. God has one mission. And that is that, that all would come to know him. And we've got to be about that. And, and so some don't believe. Well, what do we do about that? How we interact with them is a very, very important thing. At stake is this. Get this. At stake. Everybody say at stake. At stake. We believe that everybody is going to spend forever Somewhere. I hope that hits you. Everybody is going to spend forever somewhere. And there's a real heaven. And there's a real hell. That's what's at stake. Now, what's at issue is this. Someone's going to have to change their worldview. And that's huge. Um. I I kind of added a little note in here and I want to read it like I wrote it. I think some people regarding their worldview, some have never actually for themselves decided upon a worldview. I think they've just accepted the default worldview that they are around, that they're raised with or, or, you know, they're in a classroom or whatever. And they haven't really sorted that out for themselves. And so they hear something, seems to be everybody believes that way or whatever. And so they, and so they go with that. And so somebody's going to have to change their worldview. 
years and years ago, I had this um, Toyota Corolla. And um, I bought it right after I graduated high school because I ended up, I'd been saving up money uh, for, for school. And I'd been saving up money. I was working in this gas station uh, every weekend and whenever I could. And, and I'd saved up a lot of money back then. And uh, so I graduated high school and then I ended up getting a scholarship. So I didn't need the money for school. So I thought, I'm going to get a new trumpet. Well, then my stepdad said, well, because you got a scholarship, then I'll get you a new trumpet. So I had some money. So I went and bought a brand new, everybody say brand new, brand new Toyota Corolla. But it was, um, it wasn't, uh, it was like $1,800, you know. But I got cheap at the last moment and I didn't buy air conditioning. So I quickly hated the car, but it was paid for. It was mine. Uh, but I drove that thing and drove the guts out of it. And I, I was living in Leesburg and very involved in a church in Winter Park. And I was just going back and forth a lot. And, one, and on one of those trips over to Winter Park, my water pump went out. And it was a hot afternoon. And I just coasted. And I coasted right into this little uh, shop that repaired all kinds of cars. So it worked out just right. And I said, well, thank you, Lord. And so the guy said, I think it's your water pump, blah, blah, blah. And so I called a guy from the church. He came and picked me up and he said, I'll be done with it in probably about three, four hours. Worked out just right. So then they dropped me back off. I called the guy and he said, yeah, it's all ready. So when I get there um, and my friend that picked me up, he drove off. So now I'm there and it's just me and Mr. Mechanic. And Mr. Mechanic will not give me my bill. He said, come in and sit down for a minute. I said, okay. And he was a Jehovah's witness and he wanted to go through his whole story. And, and so after a while, and he just would not give me the the bill until then. And so finally I just said to him, and I'm a young man at this time too. And I just said to him, I said, what I believe, I really believe. I said, I believe that you believe what you believe. I said, and this afternoon right now by your greasy little desk, I didn't say that part. I said, I know that you're not going to change my mind. And I doubt that you're going to, that I'm going to change yours. Can I pay my bill? So I paid my bill and went off. And it it left me with a really really bad taste in my mouth, no matter what religion or or belief that he represented because how he went about it. He held me hostage, you know, for a while. But he was asking me to change my worldview. And that's a huge thing. To ask anybody to change their worldview because that's the lens at how they look at everything in life. So if a person's worldview is, well, I don't believe there's a God, um, to ask them to believe, to change that worldview is a huge thing, but it can be done. Amen. Such are, you know, many of you. So let me share a couple of angles with you here tonight. And this, and this first one, I want you to, to give me a little leash on this one, okay? Because this is just a way to approach something. I, I, I mean, there's easy arguments for, for part of this right away. But here's a question. I've, act, I've actually been asked this question before, and this is a common question that someone who does not believe in God would perhaps ask. And it's this. Well, what if I believe? What if I believe... And then in the end, we find out I'm wrong. What do I believe? Okay, let me share something with you called Pascal's Wager. 
Pascal was a 17th century uh, French mathematician, uh, theologian, physicist, and he uh, was an apologist too. So he was very involved in apologetics in his day. And let me just read a little bit of this for you. Are you all with me tonight? Okay. Uh, Pascal believed that there were no rational grounds for belief in God. Okay. Now he's a believer. But if we just put it in the rational sense, he said there's no rational grounds for belief in God. So it is futile for people to attempt to reason their way to God. In spite of this seemingly uncertain situation, Pascal claimed that people still had to choose to believe God exists or to choose that believe that God does not exist. So everybody has to choose. But the choice is not one of reason. He said it's more like the flip of a coin. So it's a 50-50 chance whether or not God exists or not. Okay, now just go with me for a few moments here. Uh, Now, in spite of the fact that there's no guarantee that you're making the correct decision, Pascal argued that we must wager in favor of God. He encouraged everybody. You need to encourage everybody. Wager. Place your bet. In favor of God, because we have nothing to lose and we have everything to gain. Here's how he put it. These are his words here. Let us weigh up the gain and the loss in taking heads that God exists. Let us weigh these two cases. If you gain, you gain all. If you lose, you lose nothing. Wager then that he is and wager without hesitation. In other words, if God exists, we win and have eternal bliss in heaven. But if God doesn't exist and we lose, we've actually lost nothing because there was nothing to lose. On the other hand, to wager that God, uh, to wager against God is foolish because if God does exist, we've lost everything because we lose eternal life. So the prudent person will always wager that God exists rather than risk suffering eternal suffering. Did you get that? So it's actually an argument. It's, it's a way to present something. Um, I do believe there are some rational arguments. I do believe that, that there are some things that we can know, you know, about God and God's existence for sure. But sometimes the angle to talk to somebody is, okay, why don't you just do this? Believe in God. Because if you believe in God, you've got everything to gain. You've got nothing to lose. But if you choose to not believe in God and he does exist, you stand to lose everything and forever. Listen to this statement. Even if my beliefs turn out to be wrong, being a Christian is still the best way to live. It's the best approach to life that there is. I'll I'll show you some things here in just a a moment on that. Now, what I want to do, though, I don't think that our best approach is for us to learn all the arguments because I don't think uh, the arguments are the way to do it. People don't come to God and believe in God by explanation. Anyway, they come by revelation. And so they've got, they've got to see something. God's got to reveal something to them. I do think we need to be versed in some things. I would encourage you. And and over the next few weeks, we're going to share more and more some different approaches and things uh, so that you can understand And not regard everybody as an enemy, anybody who opposes what you believe that you view them as an enemy, but instead see some way that you might could reach them and help them to believe. So let's, let's change course here just for a moment. 
Real Christianity is appealing. Religion is repelling. Real Christianity is inviting. Religion is affronting. Now, let me put a word up here for you. Because I don't want you to forget this. Preview. Everybody say preview. Let's break it into two words. What is it? It's preview, which means to view means to what really to see and pre is what before. So this is to see before. Now this is huge. I want you to get this concept here. You, if you're a Christian are a preview for an unbeliever. Now, I want to read this just like I wrote this down. The life of a Christian, the life a Christian lives, rather, in the presence of an unbeliever, acts as a preview to what an unbeliever will see his life becoming if he becomes a Christian. So do you see how important it is how we live? If you're condemning and judgmental and self-righteous, and that's the Christian life that you live in front of a, an unbeliever, that serves as a preview. Are y'all hearing me? Yes. They'll say, you know what? I, I promise you what they'll say. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. If you're kind, gracious, walk in truth, have some consistency in your life, I think, they'll, I think that's more appealing. Are, are y'all even here? Yeah. Um, if you're weird for Jesus, how many of you know we're taking a vote on weird for Jesus? Okay, this is, ready? Don't. Amen. Don't be weird for Jesus. You know, some people are just, I, I'm convinced some people were just born weird, okay? <laughs> and whatever they're a part of, they're going to be weird about it. But I'm telling you what, straighten that junk out if you're going to be representing Jesus, okay? Um, but if you're weird, for Jesus, that's a preview. And an unbeliever is going to look at that and say, okay, if I become a Christian, that's what I would be like. I don't want to be that. You see what I'm saying? If you're, if you're all over the map, if you're fake, if you're super inconsistent, all of those things. Your life is a preview. Like it or not, you and I are on display. And like it or not, people are watching Christians. People are watching believers. You must show, you must show some measure of peace in your life. You've got to have hope in your life. You've got to have grace in your life. There should be some progress being made in your life. There should be some victory in your life. There should be some supernatural in your life. There should be some things that just cannot be explained. I'm not talking about being weird, but just cannot be explained. It's like, how did that happen? How, how did that provide? Some precious people in Alicia and I's life for a long, long time. I, I talked to him last night on the phone. They've been laboring hard for, for God for a long, long time. They've gone through some hard, hard times too. And just the end of the year, beginning of this year, and they're about at retirement age, and they really didn't have retirement ready. Someone deeded them a fully furnished home. And I talked to him last night. I said, you know what? That is your harvest. 
And they're just so humble and grateful for it. You know, they're not flaunted. They said, we even have linens and silverware. Now, isn't that a beautiful thing? That's a beautiful thing. And, and, and you know what? Explain that. God was good to us. You know, and there, there needs to be some things going on in, in your life. There, you need to be showing some peace, some grace, some, some God in our lives. Uh, this is an article came out yesterday or today. NBC News. Millennials are the most stressed out generation. Y'all are saying, oh, I don't know what that means. American Psychological Association says that the most stressed out generation of adults in the nation is also the youngest. The so-called millennials, defined here as American, American adults age 18 to 34, reported higher stress levels than their parents or grandparents. Their stress levels had increased also in the last year. 52% said stress keeps them up at night. Generation Xers, that's 34 to 47-year-olds, uh, they tied uh, with millennials in this. And so uh, there's more bad news for the younger Americans who say they're more likely than older generations to try to manage their stress by eating junk, drinking alcohol, smoking. And so what they're doing is they don't have in their life as much, and there are other studies that support this, a belief in God. They're more that run in life apart from God, and they're more stressed out. And so they're around all of us and we need to have compassion on them, but not just compassion and not be religious around them, but actually model for them. Be a preview. Everybody say preview. preview. I'm going through stuff too. That's why, I, that's why I tell you never project or try to project perfection because if you do, you're lying. And you're also going to disillusion other people that if you try to project, I have no problems because God takes care of everything. God brings me angels in the morning that bring me hot tea. There are two seraphim that iron my clothes. And you're a whack job. Be real. We go through stuff. We live on the same planet, breathe the same air. And we must show. We must commit ourselves to God and his word and following him and trust him to help us. So there actually is proof to the pudding. That yeah, they're going through something, but they've got peace. Yeah, they went through a challenge, but they made it through. They didn't go nuts. They're sleeping good. They show up smiling. They whistle. And if you don't know how to whistle, learn to whistle this year, all right? (laughs) Their decision to accept or reject Christianity is more often based on what they see than what they hear. So we're to give lifestyle evidence. We're to be a preview. And then just let me just hit this real quick tonight. And then we'll, we're going to continue on this actually um, in the weeks to come. Lifestyle evidence that we're preview. Everybody say preview. But also a person cannot be saved. They cannot really come to know God and call upon God without a second thing that has to happen at some point along the way. And it's this, the proclamation of the gospel. There has to be the proclamation of the gospel. It cannot just be you living a, a real deal Christian life in front of people. At some point, somebody's going to have to come to the knowledge of Jesus, who he is, what he did, the atonement. Uh, let me read to you a passage real quick here in Romans chapter 10. 
I'm going to, I didn't give all the verses to, to them for the screen here. But Romans 10, 13, we're going to start. They'll give you verse 14 in just a moment. But Romans 10, 13 says this. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Who? You've got to be kidding me. Whoever? Even a person who spoke against God or said, I don't even believe he exists. You pull him a leg. Who can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved? Whoever, whoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14, watch this carefully. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And that's not just me, preacher, that's you, preacher. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And this preacher send in you, preacher. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So at some point, people are going to have to hear. They're going to have to hear. So let me just touch this real quick. Two things. Relational, invitational evangelism. Um, A high, high percentage, and we need to study it again, Pastor Scott. A high, high percentage of the people who respond to an altar call is their first or second visit to the church. And they've been invited because somebody invited them to come. And so far in 2013, and it's not about numbers, but we count people because people count. It is a measure. God uses things as a measure that way too. Uh, about 136, 137 people have made a decision. And you know what? That's the fruit. That's the fruit of relational, invitational evangelism, which means this. Get them to church. Get them to church. But if you're acting freaky and you're a weird preview, you're a scary preview. Uh, and then you say, come to my church. I promise you they won't. Unless they're doing a study on weird people. Okay. And so we can't act that. We've got to be a good preview. But relational, invitational. Most people do something because somebody related to them asked them to do it. I've been to ballet recitals not because I'm looking for them in the paper. But because one of my girls was in it or a close friend or something. And then, and then we went. Okay. <laughs> Plie. Um, but it's because somebody asked you to do it. And so you invite somebody to church. And, and look at me. Listen to me. You get them here. We'll tell them the gospel. Amen. But there's another way. And that's you tell them. And so probably in about... Uh, three weeks from tonight, two, three weeks from tonight, because two weeks from tonight, we're having a big baptism service. That's going to be awesome. Uh, We're going to start to learn how to present the gospel so that all of us can be equipped. How to, because over the years, I've had so many people say, "Um, okay, wait right here. And I've even had people over the years call me, tell me what to say. You've got to be ready to do it. And it's not hard and, and you need to know this in such a way, not by rote, not some memory kind of thing, not something just written down in your hand, but real deal. It's the story. It's the story and the impact that it's had on your life. And so we'll look at that. But we're going to get some training on how to present the gospel where you tell them. So the whole deal, honestly, be a preview. Be real. Be led. Just do your part. Remember in Scripture where it says, one, one planted seed and another one, what watered and who gave the increase 
God gave the increase. So look at me real quick and then I'm going to wrap this up tonight. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes the ground, I'm talking about the heart of a person, the ground is not quite ready for harvest. And there are people that get discouraged because, well, I shared with them about Jesus and they didn't believe. The The ground obviously wasn't ready for harvest. And then there's other times where the soil is not ready for seed. What does it need? It needs moisture. It needs time. And one of the ways that we water other people's life, the soil of their life, is this preview. It's, it's that we live the real deal. And you know what? An authentic, real deal Christian, that's appealing. That's inviting. Religion, it's repelling. It's affronting. And please get this concept that when you leave here tonight, I, I've been appalled in the, in the news about two weeks ago, there was a pastor somewhere who you may have seen this. He didn't leave a tip for a waitress. And he wrote on the thing, you know, why should I give you 20%? I give God 10. And he signed it, and I'm a pastor. And I thought, no, you're an idiot, you know. Thanks so much, Mr. Preview. And if you go to a restaurant, if you're in traffic, you're waiting online at the airport, you're at work. You're handling all kinds of things at home, in your neighborhood, whatever. You're on display. And let me tell you the best way to take all the stress out of that is just be real. Just be real. And let God be real in your life. And take him at his word and follow hard after him and say, God, help me. Help me to reflect you in the right way. And, and depend on God. And just be authentic. Listen, it's the whole purpose that we're still here. And the Bible talks about in the book of James that God is the, he's the patient farmer waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. And then in second Peter, he says this, don't be confused about God's long suffering. Why is he taking so long being so patient with some people that have no interest in him? And it's because he's not willing. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we're part of that mix. And here's what's at stake. And then I'll close with this. We believe that everybody's going to spend forever somewhere. There's a real heaven. There's a real hell. And let's make sure that we're the right kind of preview to help them in all of this. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to stop right there. Did you get anything at all out of this tonight? Thank you, Lord.